at this juncture invite you to please turn back with me to the portion of scripture we read just a a few moments ago in James uh, chapter 3. And if you could keep one eye on that section that, that begins at verse 13 through to 18. Okay, so if you were out um, this morning, then you'll recall that as we looked together at the book of Genesis, we made mention of the great divide or the great division of humanity, that all mankind falls into two camps. All mankind falls into two camps. There are those who are saved by the the blood of Jesus Christ. There are those who are ushered by Christ into the family of faith. Or there are those who are still firmly entrenched in their sin. There are those who, on the other side of things, are out with or outside the kingdom of God. Well, tonight we're looking at James chapter 3. And as we do that, what happens is we come to a very, very similar theme to the one we saw this morning. Because we come tonight to the theme of division. Now you'll remember last week, I'm sure if you were here, you recall that we looked at the tongue and the the damage that that it can do. Well, James is moving on ever so slightly from that. He's changing his focus, and he goes from writing about speech to a new theme, a new topic, and it's the topic, wisdom. Wisdom. And as he does that, he makes this kind of startling or arresting claim, if you like, and he makes the claim that there are only two ways of wisdom. There is only ungodly wisdom or godly wisdom. So as this morning, so tonight, there ain't no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. Okay, so the the intention tonight is to explore um, this chapter, this portion of scripture about wisdom. And to do that, what we'll do is look at three main headings together. Three headings together. We'll look at, the first one is demonstrating wisdom. Then we'll look at demonic wisdom. Demonic wisdom. And then finally, Desirable wisdom. So I'll give you those again. Demonstrating wisdom, demonic wisdom, and desirable wisdom. Okay, let's begin. Let's consider the first one, and let's consider demonstrating wisdom. Demonstrating wisdom. Now, this week I read a newspaper article, fascinating newspaper article, and this article declared London to be... A ruthless city. That was the theme of the article. A ruthless city. And I guess, you know, the the author, the journalist, he had a point of sorts, didn't he? 
You know, because London is a place where people compete. You know, they compete ruthlessly. They compete ruthlessly for jobs. They compete within jobs for promotion. There's competition everywhere you look. There's competition to be influential. There's competition to be important. There's competition to be seen as desirable. And there's competition to be seen as wise. And in many ways, believe it or not, there's a kind of parallel there between London and the situation into which James is writing in chapter 3 here. There's a parallel. You see... How does James begin this section, verse 13? Do you see it? How does he begin it? He begins it with this kind of, it's a rhetorical question, doesn't he? Verse 13, he says, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. Who is wise? Do you know what James is doing there? James is returning, really, to the opening of the chapter and to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Now, did you see that? Paul read it out earlier, the beginning of chapter 3. There, as here, James's primary intended audience, his primary intended readership, were people who desired to be teachers. It's people, James is writing to people primarily who desire to be leaders in this sort of Christian community. You know, he starts a chapter, look at it, he starts a chapter with, not many of you should presume to be teachers. And when we combine that with verse 13, what do we see? Friends, what do we see? We see James, the brother of Jesus, encountering a problem. He's encountering the problem of arrogance. He's encountering the problem of people in the Christian community wanting recognition. You know, people wanting to push themselves forward. To push themselves into leadership. The the problem is people wanting to be seen as wise. But just as last week... We see tonight that James isn't just writing to people who want to be in leadership. He's writing to the whole Christian community. So as we start out tonight, can I just pose a question for you? Okay? A question for all of us in the room tonight. The question is this. Is this weakness that James is writing about here This desire for recognition, is that a problem for us? Is that a a weakness that we face in our lives? Are we, as Christians, are you too focused on what other people think about you? Are you perhaps too caught up in the priorities of this city or, or this city? That you live in? Are you too worried about being seen as kind of smart? 
undesirable, if you like, or cool? Are you too worried about being seen as wise? Friends, please hear this. The Christian life, it should not be a ruthless pursuit of self-recognition. It shouldn't be. You know, our desire in life should not be to have the spotlight on ourselves. Our desire as Christians should be to shine the spotlight on or to turn attention to the one who the one who deserves the glory and the one who deserves the praise. We should be shining the spotlight on our Lord Jesus Christ. So James begins, okay, we see that he begins with a rhetorical question. But then almost immediately James kind of moves from that and he makes a bold um, and assertive truth about the very, very nature of, of wisdom. James talks about what wisdom is like and he teaches us this. And this is crucial for, for our understanding the whole passage, okay? He teaches us that wisdom... Is, it's not just about intellectual knowledge. The wisdom is knowledge in action. It's knowledge in action. Now, that is totally and utterly different to the way that London thinks about wisdom, isn't it? You know, imagine tonight... It's not all of us, all that many of us in here tonight. But imagine we sort of jacked it in and went outside and we went down to St. Paul's and we started speaking to people on the street. And we asked them a question. We asked them to name a wise celebrity, you know, a high profile figure, someone who is wise. What do you think the population of London would say? Now, I'm guessing Stephen Fry is probably going to top that list. Maybe somebody like Stephen Fry. It might be Brian Cox or it might be I don't know, Richard Dawkins maybe even. Now why would they go for that? Why would they name people like that? Well it's because these guys are intellectuals aren't they? You know these guys are seen as, as, as smart and as bright and as knowledgeable by the population. Well hear this. James's wisdom, Scripture's wisdom, is not the same as that. It is entirely different to that. In fact, it almost echoes what James said in chapter 2 about genuine faith. Do you remember that from a couple of weeks ago? He was talking about genuine faith. He said that, you know, we can profess faith all day long. You know, we can say we're Christians. But unless people witness that, Unless people can see it, unless it is observable, then that is doubted. It's perhaps not authentic. Well, he's saying the same thing with wisdom. Friends, wisdom is not just head knowledge. Take that away. It is not just head knowledge. Look what he says in verse 13. Just look at it. Who is wise and understanding among you? What does he say next? 
Let him show it. Let him show it by his good life. And that truth of wisdom not being something that we kind of accumulate, but wisdom as something that is done, that should permeate our lives. But get this, it is also something that should permeate and influence how we read the Bible. What do I mean? Well, when we come to Scripture in what I hope is our daily devotional time, we should come armed with a number of questions, shouldn't we? I think we've looked at that before. Now, when we read the Bible, we should be asking questions like, well, what is God saying to me here in these verses? Or we should ask another question. What is this text in Scripture telling me about Christ? What is this portion of Scripture telling me about God's plan of salvation? We should ask those questions. But there's another type of question we should ask when we read our Bible. We should also ask, what is God saying to me in these verses about how I should change my behavior? What is Almighty God saying in his living word about how I should change how I act? So friends, do you see the point? Do you see the main point here? You know, do we want to be... Do we want to be people who are seen to be understanding? You know, do we want to, to be people who are seen as being wise? Well, that is not about facts and figures. That is not about how many books you have read. It is about learning from God's word and then humbly putting that into action. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it. Let him show it by his good life. Okay, so that's demonstrating wisdom. Let's turn our attention now to this great division that we talked about at the beginning of the sermon. And these two kinds of wisdom, these two paths, these two kinds of wisdom that James mentions. And the first of these It kind of acts as our second point, if you like. And that is demonic wisdom. Demonic wisdom. Now, I don't know if uh, any of you who are in work just now, whether you have a particularly difficult boss. You might well do. It can happen. It's happened to me in the past, I have to say. Uh, I won't tell you where I was working just in case it gets me into a whole manner of, of trouble but I had a line manager and I tell you uh, she she was a, a slave driver, she was a hard hard case and uh, the thing that always struck me about this woman was that her name was Grace and you know she might have been called grace, but I assure you there was very, very little that was gracious about her. But that's what we should notice really in James chapter 3, because although James calls this first type of wisdom, he calls it wisdom 
is anything but. And that's why in verse 15, if your Bibles are open in verse 15, the NIV inserts inverted commas around the word. You see that? James says, he says there, such wisdom, wisdom in inverted commas, it does not come down from heaven. So what's this demonic wisdom in inverted commas? What is it like? Well, let's pose just three very quick questions about demonic wisdom. Number one, where does it come from? Okay, James is talking about ungodly wisdom. So where does it come from? Well, well, he tells us straight away, verse 15, he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is, and this is what he tells us, it is earthly, it is unspiritual, it is from the devil. Now, do you see what that is there? Do you see it's a downward spiral? Isn't it? You know, it's something that gets progressively worse, this wisdom. You know, it starts as earthly, and then it is unspiritual, and then he says it is off the devil. It's a downward spiral. And he's shown us clearly what this worldly wisdom is like. And what is it like? Well, it's worldly. It's earthly He's saying that this demonic wisdom, this way of life, it is something that has absolutely no concern for the spiritual realm. It is entirely unspiritual. Friends, the warning is kind of clear from this. The warning is that this way of wisdom, this is prompted by the devil. You know, what What more of a warning do we want? This wisdom is of the devil. This wisdom that James is talking about, it seeks in everything to bring dishonor to God. So that's where it comes from. The second question is probably more critical. How do we recognize this demonic wisdom? How do we recognize it? How how do we know what it is? Well, again, James is very explicit. We're told that we recognize it. It manifests itself in verse 14 through, and he says this, is through envy and self-ambition. Those are the two things that characterize this sort of demonic wisdom. Envy and self-ambition. So what's that? What's meant by envy? Well, believe it or not, envy is very uh, an interesting biblical word. Because envy in Scripture can be either negative or it can be positive. Think about it. God is spoken of as being zealous. What is he zealous for? He's zealous for his own glory. So it can be positive. But it can be negative. And look at how James qualifies the word here. What does he say? He doesn't just say envy. He says bitter envy. He's not saying something positive here. Not a bit of it. James is warning. James is warning that this attitude, this way of life, is a desire not for God's glory, but it is zeal for our own name, to be lifted up and praised. So there's envy 
and there's self-ambition. So what's self, self-ambition? Well, this word, self-ambition, is only used here in Scripture. But it's used elsewhere. And do you know who we're back to? I can't quite believe that I'm quoting this guy twice today, but we're back to Aristotle. Aristotle uses this word, this idea of selfish ambition, and he uses it of self-seeking politicians. Okay, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about the the types of guy who who will, will one minute be all for one cause, but then the next will be on to the next cause just to further their career. And that is the sort of thing that James is talking about here. This demonic wisdom, it's seen in a willingness to cast aside care for other people in order to pursue our own gain, in order to gain power and in order to gain prestige. So that's where it originates from. That's what it looks like. The last question about this demonic wisdom, last question. Where does it lead? Demonic wisdom. Where does it lead? James is very simple. And he just gives us one word. He says it leads to disorder. 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 And that, that has at its root the idea of a fight or a quarrel or an argument. This idea of disorder. And this is where we've got to apply this demonic wisdom to ourselves. Not just to ourselves, but to the congregation as a whole. You see, friends, for LCPC to work, you know, for this congregation to be worthwhile in any way, We've got to be a a, a group of believers. We have to be the people of God moving as one in the correct direction. We've all got to have that same desire, that desire to glorify God. And if there are people in the Christian community, if there are people amongst us who are more concerned with things like themselves... And if there's people in LCPC who are more concerned with their own likes and their own dislikes, then do you know what James says? That leads to problems, folks. That leads to trouble. And he says it leads to disorder. So let's pray that this envy, this bitter envy, let's pray that this selfish ambition, this demonic wisdom, that it has no place in the life of London City Presbyterian Church. Okay. So this week saw the arrest and the conviction, I think it was for tax evasion, could be wrong about that, but I think it was tax evasion, of the former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi. So that was all over the news, and I'm sure you've seen that. Now, you might also have been privileged enough 
to see his, what was it, nine-minute long video that Berlusconi released. And in that video, he was sort of decrying his conviction. And he was saying that he was completely and utterly innocent of all crimes. Well, that's not normally what happens when a celebrity or a a high-profile politician is arrested and convicted, is it? I don't think so. You know, normally what happens is that, you know, we'll see them outside the court and they'll have this statement read out, a statement of, of contrition. And in that, normally we hear not only that they're full of remorse, we also hear, and this is the important bit, we also hear in the statement that they now know what they should have done. You know, they've seen the light, and yes, they know that they were bad, but they also see what path and what route they should have taken to avoid wrongdoing. And that's what we've got in our final point, just now. Because James has showed us the flaw. He's shown us the the erroneous wisdom of the world. But now, as he ends this section... He shows us the alternative, because he shows us the correct path. And he shows us, point three, desirable wisdom, doesn't he? Desirable wisdom. And I just want to very quickly, in an abbreviated form, just mention, just make mention of the three questions that we looked at in more depth for the previous one. So the first one was, where does this wisdom come from? You know, so where he's talking about this this desirable wisdom. And, and so where does it originate? Where does it come from? Well, he tells us. He says it doesn't come from earth. It doesn't come from the devil. He says it comes from above. He says it comes, verse 17, from heaven. You see, this wisdom that James is lifting up for our attention, it doesn't come by reading Tolstoy. Okay, this wisdom in James, it's not about Dostoevsky, and it, it doesn't mature and evolve if you play loads and loads of Sudoku, or if you do crossword after crossword. The wisdom that James is talking about, he says it's a gift. Do you get it? It's from heaven. This wisdom is a gift from God. Now tonight, do you want to be wise as a believer? Do you? You know, in your heart tonight, is there a desire to be seen as wiser in the sight of God? Is there? Well, if so, see that this wisdom is a gift. And guess what? Ask God for it. It would do no harm for us as a congregation to spend longer on our knees and longer asking God for this gift, asking him to pour out wisdom on us as a congregation. So it comes from heaven. Do you remember what the second question about the wisdom was? How do we recognize it? Well, verse 17, it gives us a long, long list in verse 17. You know, in Galatians 5, you know, we've got, what's Galatians 5? You know, I'm sure it's that fruit of the Spirit. 
Well, verse 17 here, it kind of almost reads like the fruit of wisdom. There's a whole list of virtues or characteristics. But look at this. Look at the, the overriding virtue. Do you see it? Do you see the first one? Do you see the leading characteristic that James puts forward here about wisdom? He says that this wisdom is first, first of all, what? Pure. It is first of all pure. Now, that's something, isn't it? You see, Scripture, friends, places an emphasis on purity and holiness. Jesus Christ, our Lord, placed an emphasis on purity. The apostles, the early church fathers, they placed an emphasis on purity. The reformers, guess what? They placed an emphasis on purity. The Puritans, the Puritans, obviously, placed an emphasis on purity. Well, what about you? You know, what about, if we're honest, what about the 21st century church in the UK? Does this congregation, do we place an emphasis on holiness? Do we place an emphasis on purity? I don't think so. You see, last week, when we looked at the tongue, we saw that in our fight against sin, the best place to start is with our words. Well, we see here, when we're talking about wisdom, and when we want to be seen as wise in the sight of God, every area of our life, every area, must be characterized by purity and a desire for holiness. And we end with this. This is the third thing. What does godly wisdom lead to? What does it lead to? Remember in the the last one, demonic wisdom, it led to one word. Do you remember that? The word was disorder. Well, again, we've got one word that sums up where this godly, desirable wisdom leads to. And the one word is the word peace. You see, James here is offering us something. Scripture is offering us something tonight. It is offering the way to a lasting and a meaningful peace. So tonight... We've talked about wisdom, right? Well, if you want understanding, please hear this. And if you want wisdom, please take this away. That only comes through Jesus Christ. He's the one who brings peace. He is the one who bridges that great division between man and and God. So friends, bow tonight. Bow your knee before Jesus Christ. Will you worship him? Please worship Jesus Christ. For he might be unknown to this ruthless city of London. And he might be 
Well, he might be a stumbling block to Jews, and he might be foolishness to Gentiles. But what is he? Well, I'll tell you what he is. He is Lord, and he is the power and the wisdom of God. Let's pray.